and welcome to Kensington Church Online. My name is Greg. We are so glad you are here today. We've got a good buzz happening in the lobby today. People are gathering up for today's service. We really do have an exciting service for you today. We've got Ryan and we've got Therese on stage. They're going to lead us in some, some great music. We have our lead pastor, Patrick Holden, will be delivering our message. We're in the third week of a series we're calling Unstoppable Force. And it's all about how the church, as it started as such a small movement, is now such an unstoppable force and how we as Kensington Church are a part of that. Well, and I want to say, too, thanks so much for liking and sharing our content on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You really are an integral part of how we get to share this message of love and hope in the world. So let's get started.
welcome to Kensington Church. My name is Greg. We are so glad that you guys are with us today. And didn't the band do an incredible job? Let's give it up one more time. So, and if it's your first time here, an extra special welcome. This really is a safe place to explore your faith. And one of the cool things we do is we have starting point dot today. You could actually, you can pull out your phone. If you're new, you can go to starting point dot today and you can get that conversation started. If you have questions for us, if you want to uh, find out ways you can get involved or maybe like what our kids experience or our teen experiences look like, it's a great way to get that process started. So if you fill out starting point dot today and then one of our staff will uh, get in touch with you this week to get that ball Rolling. Well, all said and done, we'll be together for about 70 minutes. We're going to hear a message from our lead pastor, Patrick Holden. We're in our third week of a series we're calling Unstoppable Force. So this really is a great time to be here today. We're so glad that you're here. There's a couple things that I'd love to put on your radar. And the first thing is that we have a baby dedication service coming up. We have a lot of young families here at Kensington Church. And so one of the things that we do here is baby dedication. What we call it here is Baby D. And we really do think a lot about the end in mind. You'll hear us talk about that in our kids program and our student programming. And we have the end in mind. And what that means is we all we have a goal in front of us, and it really um, measures our steps and what we do and, and how we approach raising our kids. And so one of the biggest things that we desire for our kids growing up in the church is that they develop a vibrant faith in Jesus. And so if you're a young family and you want to take a first great step in that process, Baby D is one of those awesome ways that you can get that process started. We come together, we celebrate, we eat together, we hear a short um, message from Patrick. Just really, what does it look like to partner as parents and church all around raising your kids to develop a vibrant faith in Jesus? So if you're interested in that, Taylor is going to be back. She's our K-Kids director. She'll be back in this side of the auditorium on your way out. So be sure to grab her and get some more information. The next thing is that Easter is right around the corner, and we have such an incredible, I keep saying that word, but it really is, such an incredible experience that we have planned for you. So on your seats, um, you found this card, and what this is, a great reminder for you uh, when our service times are, but even more than that, it's a great way for you to take a few and to hand some to your family and friends who you can invite to our Easter services. And as a part of that, we have tickets. Now, if you've been around Kensington at all, you know that we do tickets at Christmas and Easter. The tickets are free, but what really it does, it helps us to be prepared for you and for your guests. We plan to pack this place out, so we want to make sure that we have seats and we're all ready to go. So the easy way to get tickets, and if you want to do it right now with me, I'm going to do it right now. You can go to Easter in TC. Dot com and there's a little video um, that'll show you the steps too. So here, let me let me have a race with Patrick. He's he's there. Easterintc.com. So you go there. You'll see the page. You'll see get your tickets right at the top, or you can scroll all the way to the bottom too. You see some descriptors about the day. You click on get your tickets, and you'll see date and time. Another description. You can scroll all the way down to select a date. And then as you select a date, you can pick your date and time, and then it asks you um, how many people are going to come. And then you go to checkout, and what it'll do, it'll ask for your first and last name, an email, and then you can confirm, and then you're all set up 
for your Easter tickets. It really is going to be an event that you do not want to miss. So be sure to uh, sign up for your tickets, and we'll be all, oh, hey, Patrick, what's up, dude? Did I do a a bad job with talking about Easter tickets? Is that what? Yeah, no, no, it's okay. You're still on staff. I'm still on staff. I'm not fired yet. I just thought, here's my problem, though. Here's my problem. You you did great with the announcements, all the now, baby D. We all love babies. Yeah, we love babies. They're cute. They smell. It's great. So, um, but I think something happened last night where a lot of these people, you know, these heathens, they didn't pray (laughs) until last night. They're not heathens. And then they did pray for the first time about a year last night. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you don't, I feel like oh, we should just show you. You want to show them real quick? Yeah, okay, let's, just let's show see. Them All right, let's the, take a look. The catalyst for prayer. So the pass is going to come from Livers. He rifles it right in front of us to Abdul Rahman at midcourt. Extra pass. Michigan. Yeah, you know, yeah, the best part about that was that guy's face. I was like, whose puppy <laughs> got killed? You know, it was just a sad day. Hey, uh, well, we're so glad that you're here, and congratulations to all the Michigan fans, and for the rest of us, we're glad you're here. So, uh, anyway, you can go ahead and stand up, give three or four people around you a high five, and ask them. Yeah, ask them, is your bracket better off from yesterday, or is it now busted? <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Patrick, and I just wanted to say thanks again for watching our service today online and being a part of this community. Now we know that you might have some questions as you watch the service today and want to find out a little bit more information about who we are. And so we've created an environment for you to do just that. Simply go to startingpoint.today, that's startingpoint.today, and fill out that short form, and one of our staff members will reach out to you very shortly and answer any questions that you have about our church and about who we are. Again, thanks so much for watching. We'll be back at the end of the service today. Uh, to give you a little bit more information, but we'll see you here in just a few minutes. Well, I don't know about you. My bracket is definitely busted. This is Trace. This is Shauna. My name is Ryan. We're going to lead you guys in a song called Glorious Day. Feel free to sing along. Here we go. I was buried beneath my shame.
every door was closed. There was only one name that was constant. Only one set of arms I could run to when I had burned all of my own bridges. His name is Jesus. A few years ago, I called off an engagement that I knew wasn't right for me, and it left me devastated. I forgot who I was, where I was going, what I was doing with my life. But through those broken hearts, those bruised dreams, unacceptance, shame and betrayal, my God, he was still there. He believed in me then, and he believes in me today. And he keeps reminding me that he has a plan and a purpose for my life. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says, for I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. As we sing this next song, let's remember what name was always constant in our lives.
uh, that's a newer song in our church, and part of the reason that I love that song so much in particular is that whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, and if you would say that you're a church person or not, no matter what your story is, the thing that unites every single one of our stories today is that we all have a level of brokenness that we haven't fully been able to overcome yet, right? If you're here today, that's the one thing that unites all of us is that there's something inside of us that we're kind of working toward or trying to figure out. Um, and, and we believe here that, that Jesus is the name uh, that can help you overcome that. So thanks so much for singing with us. You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, and thanks so much for joining us today. If it's your first time, my name is Patrick, uh, also a Clemson fan, but we'll talk about that later. Um, uh, but no, we're so glad that you are here today, and you couldn't have picked a better week to be here because we are wrapping up a series called uh, Unstoppable Force, and uh, so you've got to hear from Steve Andrews throughout the series, uh, Dave Wilson, week one, two, and it's been a, it's been a great thing. So, um, so yeah, so it, it's been a fantastic series, and what we've been talking about is really what happens when a group of people come around a vision and an idea, and they move forward with it in a united front, and what, what could happen if a group of people were fully able to do that, and so you've got to hear a little bit of our stories the church, uh, and then uh, the, really the story of the church as we've been processing through that, and uh, so it's been a great, a great series, and so we're going to kind of tie that in a bow uh, today. Before we do that, I want to invite our ushers to move forward. We're going to receive our offering this morning, uh, and I just wanted to say, uh, again, I think we say a version of this every week, but thank you so much to those of you who give and that you are part of what we do here. Uh, if you are a part of Kensington and you volunteer or you give of your resources, I feel like every Sunday, I just want to like just kind of grab you and say thank you so much, because everything that we do here is really Made, uh, made possible because of you. And, uh, and we talk about that, you know, a lot of us have a view of this in terms of just what we do at our church or what we do even here in Traverse City. Uh, but it's so much bigger than that. You're a part of a movement uh, that is really happening globally uh, all over the world. So joining you this morning are about 13,000 other people at one of our other churches here in Metro Detroit and then also in Orlando. Uh, and then we have about 59 church plants that are also connected to us as well. So thousands and thousands of people are part of this big family that we call Kensington. Uh, but even more than that is uh, in, when we talk about what we do globally, this is one of my favorite things to talk about, is we know uh, that we're able to reach a little over half a million people all over the world. And all that's made possible because people just like you who give and you show up and you travel over there uh, and you do those kinds of things. So thank you so much uh, for partnering with us in that. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to tell you, too, as we're, as we're uh, kind of getting ready for the message is I think you have one of these cards in your seat that says Easter on it. I know Greg talked about this. Can you pull this out real quick? Uh, I want to give you one other quick thing about it. Um, Easter this year is going to be incredible, as, as, as Greg said, incredible. It's going to be awesome. But when it comes to Easter, um, this is one of those times of the year. And again, I'm not exactly sure why, but a lot of people come to church on Christmas and Easter, and then they don't come to church any other time. And so if you're somebody who's like, I've been wanting to invite somebody, but you know, when's the right time? Easter is the easiest ask. And we've actually done studies. Most people say yes to Easter and Christmas. It's so funny. So it's one of the easiest times to invite people. Uh, and so I would encourage you to do that. Uh, again, the service is going to be amazing. We also have Good Friday, um, the Friday, obviously, before Easter as well. That's at 7 p.m. Um, and that's going to be a little bit more of, of kind of a reflective service here at our church. And so if you've been to Render, it's going to be a lot like one of those Render services. And so we would love to invite you uh, to that. Uh, as well. Um, so uh, again, we're in the series Unstoppable Force. I'm going to wrap that up here in just a few minutes. But before we jump into that, what I want to do is give you a quick video just to get your mind thinking about what this series has been about, and then we'll come back and launch into the message out of that. So let's watch this video together. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And so we have people that are launching new initiatives, new dreams all the time. The beauty of life is when you can say, we did this together. 
That's what I want. As a church family, we can fuel incredible mission and ministry here and around the world. I think the best is yet to come. All right, so we have been in this series called Unstoppable Force, and uh, if, you, if you haven't been here yet or if this is your first time, the way that we approach uh, most of our months is we take kind of a big, broad idea, and then we unpack it like a Netflix series over the course of about four weeks. And so you can always get caught up at kensingtonchurch.org slash watch, uh, and you can always kind of see what we've been talking about. But today we're wrapping up this series, and again, what we've been talking about is what happens when a group of people, a group of ordinary people, come together to do something extraordinary together. Um, now, what I want to do before we even jump into the, you know, the bulk of the talk is I want to take just a minute and talk to those of you who are here either for the first time uh, or you, you kind of come every once in a while, but you know, you, you know, you're not fully engaged. Or if you come, and this is my favorite person to talk to, you come because your spouse makes you come. You know, you, you know, you know who you are. And you would never say it out loud, but you, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, I, I, have, you know, I have to go back to church. I'm glad my kids like it, but at the end of the day, you're, you're not feeling it. But I want to tell you, this, right? I think the thing that's going to unite a lot of us around what we're going to talk about is most of the people that are in that camp have attended a church at some point, right? So even if you would say, like, I don't know if, you know, Jesus is the son of God, or I don't know if I believe all the religious stuff, um, or even deep down, if you believe, like, you know, the, the idea or the presence of a deity in the world actually hurts things, right? I have those conversations all the time, too. What I want to tell you is that what we're talking about today is something that I think is so applicable, specific to you. Right, and so as we come around some of these thoughts, I, I think it's applicable to you. And uh, and before we jump into uh, really kind of the the, the bulk of the, the text that we're going to look at, I wanted us to see an image and and get this image in our brains before we jump into a lot of this. Now, this is for all of you again who are first time or you know you're not a church person, but you've been to church before, and the idea of church is some version of this, right? Now, a lot of you, again, grew up in church. I grew up in church as well. Now, I was a kid that showed up every single Sunday and loved it. I could have quoted everything they put up on the flannel graph for me, and I loved all the fruit snacks. Obviously, I loved all the fruit snacks um, that they gave me growing up. Now, here's the thing about church, though, is there was an idea that was very subtly passed down to me from the time that I was a kid as I grew up, and that was that there is a space in culture, there is a space in our city, there's a space in our time frame, and this is where God is, right? This is where God is. Now, you can perpetuate that even by thinking about the, the art that goes in a lot of these places and the sacred feeling that is in a part of these places. Now, I love stained glass windows. And when you get behind the story of what these stained glass windows are, they really are just telling a story of of, of humanity's interaction with the divine, right? They're telling these amazing stories of scripture. They're telling these amazing stories of what God looks like when maybe he interacts with with humanity. And there's this idea of this, and this is what we're going to poke at for a few minutes, is that there is, you know, there's a God, but God lives in these spaces, right? Now, for me growing up, I grew up in Anderson, South Carolina for a long time, which is like deep, deep south, kind of where I was. This church is called McDuffie Street Church of God. This is where I went to church as a kid. And I went there in large part because of a volunteer, you know, K-Kids worker who convinced my mom to drop off her little baby and she fell in love, you know, with the church. So we went here for a long time uh, growing up. Now, what was so interesting about this church is that um, I would go every Sunday, and we would show up, and we would get in our car, and it was just me and my mom, so we would drive to church. 
But something was very unique about this space that was different than every other space that I was a part of. And that was that I had to wear khaki pants and a button-down shirt. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody dress up for church when you were a kid? Come on, be honest. How many of you had to wear ties as a kid? Anybody have to wear ties? Yeah, yeah, so you get this, right? So you had to be great. And now I was a fairly energetic you know, youngin, you know, I was pretty, I was a fairly energetic person and I couldn't run in the church, which didn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, you know, I feel like God could have caught me. It's not like I'm trying to run outrun him. Like it made sense in my mind, you know, like, like I didn't understand why I couldn't, you know, you know, horseplay, why, why my behavior had to be on purpose and all this. And so it was at this church that I began to be handed a version of faith and a version of God that said, God resides here. Now, the problem with that, and you know this too, if you had to wear a tie to church, what did you do as soon as you got in the car to go home? You ripped that clip-on tie off and you threw it at your sister, right? That's what you did. You pulled it off and, you know, you undid and your mom was like, take off your what? You take off your church clothes, right? You take off your church clothes, you fold it neatly, put it back until you would wear it for another week or a funeral. That's what you did, right? That's just how it worked. And there was this idea perpetuated, right? And that was this, that God was here, but we lived out there. Now, some of you, you go to the office, right? And you know Christians who view that God lives there at their church. But when they get to the office, it's like, I don't know if you know anybody that's religious. You know, like if God is real and you are a version of that, help us, Lord, you know, like you know that. Some of you, come on, let's just be really honest. You come to church, and there are words that you don't say here that you say during the week. (laughs) No, that's just me. That's just not you. There are words that you say during the week, right? Because, you know, it's it's church. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that because it's church. Now, the, the problem with that for me isn't a problem of thinking that things, you know, are like holy or sacred or those kinds of things. There are lots of moments, and there are spaces that we need to view that in. The problem is that when we live our lives with this dichotomy of, you know, two different kind of things pulling at each other, we live in a way that's unhealthy, I think. Or we say it like this. We view things oftentimes as this dichotomy of sacred versus secular, right? So what happens at church is sacred. I show up at church and it's sacred. There are these moments that are sacred. Some of you do small group, which I love. And your house is certainly secular until 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. And then your wife makes you clean the house and all of a sudden it becomes very sacred at your home, right? You just know what that is. And you show up and you do that whole deal. And, you know, this is a sacred space. The problem with this dichotomy, right, especially if you talk to people who are on church, is that it's a building, right? Now, this isn't a new thing. In fact, since, you know, humanity started breathing, what, what, what had happened even in, you know, you look at all of ancient works of really most all religions is there are a group of people interacting with God or interacting with however they would describe God and they would build whatever the place is for them to experience God. And then they go to their place and then they leave. But the question is, what happens when you leave. Now, Jesus lived in a culture that was very inundated with these ideas, right? And, you know, it's, a lot of people don't talk about it. Jew, Jesus was Jewish, right? And he lived in a culture that had, you know, significant influences there in terms of religious elite, religious power, the way all that works. And what happens with Jesus, where we're going to pick up in, in our narrative today, is Jesus comes into that system 
He lives within that system, and in a lot of ways is viewed as a rabbi traveling within that system, teaching things that other people were like, I've never thought about it like that before. Teaching things that are extraordinarily divisive in some areas and subversive, and he would say things, and people would be like, I don't know if he can say that. And all the women would clap because he was elevating women in a culture that continually pushed them down. And Jesus would hang out with people and do things, and people were like, I don't know if he should be spending time with them. And Jesus was like, I really don't care what you think. You know, like, you get these moments of Jesus being very subversive. And then what happens, and we're going to talk about this in the next, you know, obviously week and a half, is Jesus is then killed, and he's killed, and then three days later, he rises from the grave, right? The, these eyewitness accounts, people that experience it, you know, They write about how Jesus rose from the grave, and he walks around for a little over a month afterwards. Now, here's what's so fascinating, right? Walks around for a little bit of a month afterwards, and he had had these closest followers that were nearby, which I always think about. If Jesus predicted his death, and then he rose from the grave, and his closest followers really, like, deeply believed it, why weren't they at the tomb? No one's sitting there going, well, I'm excited. Popcorn, a little Coke. Where's he at? No one was there. He rises from the grave, and I love this. Then he goes to see those closest followers. And the account that we get from John is so fascinating in how Jesus responds to them. But not only responds to them, but then takes some of this idea and throws it completely out the window. So here's what it says. This is John chapter 20, verse 19. This is after Jesus is now walking on the earth, interacting with these followers after the resurrection. Here's what he says. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, I love this, that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, now watch this, with the doors, what's that word? With the doors locked. Now I want you to imagine this. These are grown men with beards, right? These are manly men, right? These are Brian Jackson beard level. Like, maybe not. I don't know if that's true, but it feels right. Like, these are, these are men hiding in some ways for fear with the doors locked of the Jewish leaders. And then Jesus came, and he stood among them. Now, I want you to picture this for a second. Jesus predicted death, predicted resurrection. These are the people that you kind of like. This is like the committee of people that you're waiting, like when you run out of the football tunnel. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I envision. That's what I would have wanted. A crowd of people, like, right there, and I walk out, it's like, <laughs> you know? Like, if I'm going to raise from the grave, I want CNN there being like, What's his name? Wolf? I want Wolf going, wow. You know, like, that's what I'm waiting for. The the biblical narrative, which again, we'll talk about more at Easter, shows women showing up, which is the writer's account. This this is all like, if you're reading, you're like, whoa, women? Women show up? They're the first people to see what happens. Anyway, so goes to these guys, goes in, stands among them, and what he doesn't say is, listen, sissies, you should have been there. He doesn't get frustrated with them. He uses a word that has so much connotation to it, and the, and the translation here barely gets after what the word fully means, but he says this. He says, peace be with you. He walks in. They unlock the door. Finally open it. He says, peace be with you. It's almost like saying, breathe. It's okay. And he walks in because what he's about to do is like a foundation, not only that would change their lives, but would change 
the whole world. So he says, peace be with you. And then, you know, because there's always this person in the crowd. Then there's like the doubters that are around. Like, wait a minute, I saw you die. Now you're walking around. Is that really, is that really you? How did you pull that off? So John says, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Now, passively reading this, that feels like, okay. He shows them where he was pierced to be suffocated while he hung on a tree. But the side part is the interesting part, because once he died, to prove that he was, you know, in some ways, like, in fact, dead, and make sure that they poked, poked, that's the least violent word you could pick there. They stabbed him in the side, and water comes out, which is a way that you would know that he had, he had died. And so he looks, in some ways, at them, and like, hey, here's where I was pierced, what now? And in this, this is the proof in the pudding, right? This is, here's my side. And the disciples were overjoyed. I hope so. When they saw, and I love this, the Lord. When they saw the one to follow. And then what Jesus says next lays the foundation for what Christianity would become and the early church would become. And it lays the foundation for who we should become as the church. But not only people who are followers of Jesus, I don't think, but people who want to do something with their lives. He says this. Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me. Now, these, you know, couple of words here have such deep theological connotations. People, like, will study these words and talk about it for, you know, weeks at seminary. All the geeks are like, <laughs> great. You know, like, it's great. But if we're going to make this kind of palatable, what he's saying is this idea of this vertical incarnation, which is a really fancy way of saying this, because I'm a visual learner, so let's, let's talk visually for a second. We talk about this for our purposes. It's like the vertical incarnation of God means this. That God sends Jesus into the world. God in human form sends Jesus to the world. And he sends Jesus to the world in some ways for the world. Now, I'm a terrible artist, so please don't judge me. And I especially can't draw women stick figures, but we're going to give it a go. Here's... That's great. Okay, so... For people, right? And then all the little children of the world, right? Since so Jesus into the world. Now, the idea that we get is this, that when God sends Jesus, he sends Jesus into the brokenness. He sends Jesus into the pain. He sends Jesus into a corrupt political system. He sends Jesus into religious elite who were very hypocritical. He sends Jesus into people who had thought they had all this understanding about God but had no idea what behavior with God looked like. He sends Jesus into this context. And what do people do? They begin to build walls around what they were. Little steeple. That the church in some ways had this idea that this is the church, right? These are the people who have now been experiencing what Jesus did, choosing to follow him. And then you have this, this version of all of the outsiders that were around. Here's another very large woman uh, person right there. Um, Little kids, you got all these people. Then you have the people over here. Again, a little profanity bubble, whatever that is. You know, you have all your people over here that have tattoos. I'm just kidding. I grew up in that church. That's why I'm saying it, right? If I could, I would. You have all these people over here. These are the outsiders, right? These are the people that are not good enough. These are the people that don't follow the way. 
And the system for years and years and years, even now in a lot of places, is this. That God comes in this vertical incarnation to his people. So how do we get all these people to be a part of our club? How do we get all these people to come to the place where God is? You ever thought about this? Now, it's not bad for you to invite people to church. We're doing Easter services, right? We want you to do this. The idea that there's a wall around this group of people to these people is something that I don't think Jesus ever intended. In fact, I think Jesus kind of flipped all of this on its head. Because we get this vertical incarnation of Jesus entering into the world and entering into our brokenness and entering in to who we are. And then he says this. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. And I want you to read this with me. Can we do it? I am I am sending you. That as the Father sends me into the brokenness and the pain and the suffering to bring redemption to it all. I am sending you. Which has massive implications on this, right? Now, it's not that you shouldn't invite people into this community. I think you should, right? I think people have questions all the time. My favorite thing to do is talk to people who have questions about faith or God or the resurrection, that sort of thing. It's not that you don't invite people into this. I think you should invite people into this. But if that's only what you do, then I think there's a problem. Because I think there's this other side of this where he says, I am sending you. You have the vertical incarnation. And then what we would talk about for our purposes is the horizontal incarnation. This is now the spirit of God dwells in his people. And then they're not just saying, come, come, come. They're not doing that. They're going out into the world. And they are viewing every space that they are in as a sacred space that God can use them. That they are going out into their communities and they are taking it with them. It's this beautiful idea of saying, look, these people, the God of the universe came amongst these people and his spirit was in them. And then they go out into every space that they can and spread. What they would talk about is the good news. And the reason that it's good news is because there's a Savior who's allowed you to be redeemed from all of your mess and all of the things that you couldn't overcome on your own. And the idea is that they would, this is beautiful drawing, they go out into all of the world to every single person they know. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, here's what I want to say to you, right, because I think this is so important. If you met Christians, Christian, who came into the workplace and you knew that you were on stark opposite ends of the political spectrum, that you are on stark opposite ends of the religious spectrum, that your family didn't look like their family, they didn't do things the way that you thought they should do it, all that, but yet you still had the opportunity to have a deep relationship with them and you wanted it. That you wanted to lean into the relationship. Now, don't miss this. Because you still liked them. People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And the religious elite got all upset with him. Now, here's what I want to push on for a second. Because I think that's the way that it should be. But if we're here and we're followers of Jesus, right? And I kind of poke at you for a second. And you're like, you know what? I, I don't even like people that aren't Christians. 
I want them to agree with me. I voted for whoever you voted for, and they didn't, and so we don't spend time together. Then you are missing it, because that is not what Jesus has called us to. If you haven't had people in your home that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, right? I don't, we don't believe the same thing, that's probably an issue. Because Jesus didn't call you just to come here and listen to a guy with a Britney Spears mic on talk about whatever he's going to talk about. That wasn't the goal. I think you should. I think it's helpful. And I think we invite people here. When was the last time you had somebody in your home that wasn't a follower of Jesus, that was processing through their faith? When was the last time you were so honest with yourself that you acknowledged your own doubts, even though you've been a follower of Jesus for 35 years, and you sat with somebody and said, I have the same doubts sometimes? I was at the doctor this past week. I want to embarrass him because I didn't ask him if I could do this. And he's working on me, whatever doctors do. I don't know. They're, he's working on me. And we're talking, and he attends church here. And the whole time, the only thing he wanted to talk about was how do I have legitimate, real conversations with people who are nothing like me and disagree with everything that I would say in terms of faith. I'm like, that is this. What does it look like to enter into the workforce? And you're not like, you know, Christian Susan. No offense to any Susans. I know, I'm not talking about you, I promise. But like, walk in, you know. Because the beautiful part about Jesus, and I love this, I don't think Jesus cared that much. Jesus spent time elevating women in a culture that continually pushed them down and didn't even try to have an answer for it. Jesus had meals with people that other and the religious elite were like, why is he doing that? Because a meal with somebody almost felt like this shared belief, and he's like, I going to sit down with the tax collectors. I'm going to sit down with people like that. Because they entered into the world for all people. For every one. For those of you who are non-believers, here's my question. What would happen if every person that you met that was a follower of Jesus, you were able to like and be in relationship with, even if you disagreed with everything that they thought? Now, if you're here and you're like that, you probably came with somebody like that. If not, it's probably really awkward for you right now, but that's fine. Now, if you want to ask how we do this, I think we can look to one verse that John talks about what Jesus did and how he leaned into this. So this is John chapter 1. He's talking about Jesus, and I think we get a couple of the principles around how to live this way. He says, the word, which he's talking about Jesus, the word became flesh. This is that vertical incarnation we're talking about. The word, the word became flesh. And then made his dwelling among us. Now this word dwelling is so fascinating because it really is this idea of like he built a tabernacle or made his tabernacle among us in the world. Jesus came into the world dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. If you want to know what Jesus' plans for you are in terms of living this out, you can simply look what Jesus did. So out of this verse, I think we can pull a couple of things out. And that's the first one is this. That the word became flesh is a very fascinating statement. But essentially what happens is God leans into our brokenness. God doesn't shy away from it. God leans into our brokenness. And the God of the universe enters our world in human form on behalf of us. 
He leans into our brokenness and becomes 100% God, but yet 100% man. He experiences the same things that we experience. He, he feels the things that you and I felt. He leans in and not away. second one is this, and I love this. He reached out. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He made his tabernacle. He made his space the entirety of this board, not just this little place right here. He leans in, he reaches out, and then we would say that he sacrificed for something that was greater. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you read through what they did to Jesus, and it makes... It almost makes you feel nauseous, right? One thing the Romans had, you know, down pat, and, you know, this area of the world had down pat, is how to torture someone. And Jesus sacrificed the torture, the humiliation, people spitting on him, suffocating. Some, some writers, and I think it's so fascinating, some writers would say the cross, we always view the cross like this, you know, high, you know, 10 feet high, he's hanging there and everybody's below him. There are a lot of scholars that would say that it was, it was low so that people could walk by and almost look at him eye to eye as he suffocated and humiliated them. That Jesus took all of that, said, I am willing to sacrifice it all for something greater and bigger. Now, no matter where you are on the faith spectrum, when people do that, it's inspiring. I think people that are followers of Jesus, the sacrifice thing is a big part of that. What does it look like to come to Jesus with all of our lives open-handed? That you can have it all. That I'm already choosing to obey you. That I'm choosing to go outside of the walls. Not only am I choosing to go outside of the walls, I'm choosing to tear those walls down and I don't even care what everybody else says about me or what they think about me. I'm going to go into the brokenness. Anyway, and I'm going to live my life the way that you've called me to live it and the way that you modeled me, modeled for me to live it. So for those of you who are followers of Jesus, here's what I want to say to you. There's three commitments that I think we focus on, and that's this. That I will live as you call me to live. The primary focal point of my life is that I'm going to live and behave in the way that you call me to live. That I'm going to go to the brokenness even though that's difficult. I'm going to go have relationships with people where I don't have all the answers. I'm going to have relationships with people that make me uncomfortable. I'm going to do whatever it takes to insert myself not into the sac- you know, sacred and secular. I'm just going to go into all of the world. I will live in the way that you call me to live. I will do as you call me to do. I will behave in the ways that you call me to behave. I will say yes to this knowing that it means no to this because that's how you've called me to be in the world. Then I will go where you've called me to go. One of my prayers for our church is that some of you wouldn't live in Traverse City a few years from now or five years from now or ten years from now. And some of you are like, with winter and mid-March, that's not hard, right? My hope is that you go, that you go somewhere and you take this idea with you. You become the church in every space that God calls you to do that. What would it look like? What would it honestly look like in this city? There's about a thousand of us show up on a weekend, something like that. If a thousand people who claim to follow Jesus went out and they did this for their whole life, 
I think that every person who's a skeptic at least would go, well, they believe it. What would that look like? Now, throughout this series, we've been talking about this in roundabout ways. But we've also talked about, like, what does that mean of us? Like, what, what does that require of us that are followers of Jesus? And so we've been talking about uh, this capital campaign that we've been a part of. It's part of the reason all of us are wearing these snazzy shirts today, the Everyone Campaign. I want to tell you is, for those of you who call Kensington home, um, we, we didn't really participate in this in the beginning, um, but this is something like on this side of it that we, we really want to talk about. And so you've heard Steve talk about this a little bit, you've heard Dave talk about this a little bit, uh, but I want you in a second to watch a video that's going to talk about how we can really live this way with our resources. How do we be a part of something bigger uh, than us with our resources? Now, for those of you who are attending for the first time, right, I want to say this to you right off the bat, is as uncomfortable as you feel right now because they're like, oh God, he's going to ask for money. And the person who invited you feels infinitely more uncomfortable than you do. Right, so let me just tell you right now. They're like, why is he talking about this? But let me say this to you. I'm going to make an ask of you here in a few minutes, but it's not going to be the ask that you think I'm going to ask you for, right? So I want you to know that right off the bat. You're already off the hook. So you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But I am going to make an ask of you in a few minutes. And then for those of you who would say this, you're like, you know what? I attend Kensington, but we're dating. We're not Facebook official yet. Like, this isn't where I'm going to call church home yet, but we're kind of curious about it. I'm going to talk to you here in a few minutes as well. But the question I want you to ask if you're in one of those two camps for the next few minutes is this. What are you a part of that's going to live beyond you? What are you a part of that's bigger than you? And then what are you a part of? And what are you giving towards? And what are you living for? That's at the scale of what we're going to talk about. And if you don't have an answer for that question, I want to talk about that in just a few minutes. But let's watch this video together. Every once in a while, a church has the opportunity to accelerate their mission, like double down on what they're all about. And over the years of Kensington's existence, we have had just a handful of those very special times. And our Everyone campaign is the most recent example of that. This was a three-year window in which Kensington friends are giving over and above their regular financial support. We are approaching the last year of those three. A few thousand people have already given toward this, and we are so grateful. But we have more to do in order to finish strong, and we have more people who can help us get over that finish line. So some of you have been with us all along. You started with the Everyone campaign a couple years ago, and you've been giving, and we're so grateful. And perhaps you were around back then and just didn't see your way clear to jump in financially with us back then. But maybe now you could see your way clear to jumping in for the last 12 months. And maybe some of you are brand new to Kensington, and you may want to consider being part of the last year as well. And no matter who you are, we just know that together as a church family, we can fuel incredible mission and ministry here and around the world. And to get a taste of what all those things are, take a look at this. We're super excited about our new Clinton Township building, where we believe thousands of people will come meet Christ and engage their faith in a totally new way. At Troy, we've been able to improve a handful of things, including our kids' security system, and make some updates in the auditorium. We're still helping new churches get off the ground, so we invested in Easttown Church, led by the Dupins in San Francisco. We believe environments matter, so we've invested heavily in our online environment, that is our website, as well as what you see when you come into a Kensington lobby. We were able to complete the adoption of the Traverse City campus and church family. We've partnered with an organization called Youth with a Mission, which is all about reaching the next generation in the city of Detroit. 
So it's been an amazing run, not just for 27, 28 years, but even in the last couple of years, we have been able to see amazing things happen inside of Kensington, outside of Kensington. And, and when you think of all that, what for you, uh, like, really gets you pumped up? Our story is almost unique in the world. When I tell people around the country, say, yeah, we have seven campuses giving millions of dollars to another campus that they'll never see or use in order to see people come to know Christ in the Detroit area. And they're like, wait a second, explain this to me. These people over here 40 minutes away are giving to these people and they're giving like major portions of their life resources to make this happen. It, it doesn't even compute to people. And what I love is the, the spirit of other-centeredness. The great part now is we're taking this little kind of time out in the Everyone campaign because we've put a lot of resources into Clinton Township facility, understandably. Yep. But there's this other list of projects that are really amazing projects that if we finish strong and as we sort of collect people into this investment, it's amazing things yet to come yes. just in the next like year or two. And think about this. This is this seems almost corny, but Troy's getting a new parking lot for a new Troy campus. Listen, there's a new spirit at Troy and a new vision and a new movement that is as exciting to me as anything we've done in our 27 years. We have signage. We have things that are happening at every campus to make us better, and we're going to step in and see those things happen. Was that your dream, like when you said, I want to be a church planting operation, a church planting church, which is why people think we're crazy, right? Because we're always sending people away from our church. Had you dreamt about having that express itself in other places than just America? I did, but I had no way, I had no way of knowing the variation of Nepal, Cuba, Afghanistan, where we actually are supporting leaders who are, have been executed, have been beheaded this year. We get, gosh, we get to be a part of Are you kidding me? No, I never dreamed it would be this dramatic. The other thing that I didn't expect is the fact that people hear, well, we want to start new churches, and they think, oh, you want, you want to start like a beautiful building? Like, No, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And so we have people that are launching new initiatives, new dreams all the time, new small groups and homes, new ideas, new ministries that, that are going to change the way people live. This is being birthed in the hearts of Kensington people literally, literally every second. You know, I think sometimes when people see Kensington and they see some of the great things that have happened and the buildings we have and all these wonderful people around us, they're like, well, what do you guys need? I mean, why would you even be asking for more? Like, are you building some sort of an empire? Yeah. Well, the empire that's being built belongs to Jesus Christ, not to me. Not to, No one on this staff owns any of this. This belongs to the Kensington body. And what is amazing to me is that whatever we do inside, we do far more outside. We're going to launch our 59th U.S. domestic church this year. We are going to touch over a million people with the gospel of Jesus Christ globally. It's like what we do here at Kensington. It's like the, the epicenter of, of everything going out. Almost like we're collecting resources so that we can actually send yes. them out. Yes, yeah. and, and then the greatest resource is the people themselves as they go out to do what God's called them to do. So there's probably a couple thousand people listening to this conversation right now, and uh, we still have a year of the Everyone campaign to go. What would you love to see happen? Very simple. I want 100% of us to be in 
to this Everyone campaign. I want every person at Kensington who's a part of Kensington now to be able to look back and say, I helped finish that Clinton Township building. It's going to be reaching people at Hall Road in 94 for the next 100 years. And I helped build that Nepal safe house where young girls are being restored into church planners and community leaders. And I invested in Kaleo kids and reaching these elementary schools and restoring and changing these kids' identities. And I was a part of getting Troy a new parking lot and Orion, you know, building upgrades inside. The beauty of life is when you can say, we did this together. That's what I want. I want every person to be freed from the, the oppression of the question, what's in it for me? And to be liberated to ask the question, what is Jesus Christ inviting me into? Like how to use my life, everything that I've been, been, been given, whether it's for the Everyone campaign or starting a new program or reaching out to their neighbors and that we begin to live not with this concern about how do I preserve my own life, it's how do I give my life away and let Jesus like flow through me in this world? Not, not just through individuals, but it, as communities, as teams, as groups of people. Uh, Kensington is a huge army around the world. And uh, as people are learning to say, not my will, but Jesus, yours be done, man. What might we see? I mean, it, we've already been amazed. I think the best is yet to come. those kinds of things, right? For those of us who call Kensington home, for those of us who would say this is our place, you know, this is our church, that sort of thing, there's something at least in me, and I feel like it's probably in you, that says, like, there's more you know, 70, 80, 90, 100, 110 years of life that I get. There's going to be a day where, you know, that ends and, you know, you, you have all that sort of thing. And the question that just kind of, that I've been praying is kind of haunts us as a local church is like, what, what are we doing that's going to live beyond us? What are we doing that's going to live beyond the day-to-day mundane stuff that we're going to do? What are we a part of that's bigger than ourselves? And I want to talk about this specifically with those of you caught at home, but I want to talk specifically to those of you who, again, you're in that camp of like first time or not a follower of Jesus or the dating Facebook joke, whatever that is. What I want to say to you is, I would love for you to decide to give to something today. And if this is what you want to be a part of, I would love to invite you to do that. Because what we do all over the world, what we do in Nepal with young girls coming out of sex trafficking, that alone is worth all of our lives, right? When we bring clean water to areas of the world that don't have it so that people can live and sustain life, that alone is worth what we do. And my question for you is maybe you have something like that that's already on your heart, and we believe this so much at our church, that generosity, right, generosity, it just breeds this freedom inside of you that you don't get really in any other way. And so if it's to this, I think that would be great. If it's to something else, my challenge to you is find something that you can give to that's going to live beyond you. But for those of you who call Kensington home and that this is your church, 
I mean, you may or may not know this, but we launched this capital campaign at the time that we launched. So again, we didn't participate in the beginning, but uh, the first $2.8 million came directly to helping this happen, right? Which is pretty extraordinary. But what we're also trying to do, as Steve said, is the Global Partners Initiative, Clinton Township, some of the other campuses. And one thing that marks us as a group of churches is that we believe that there are people here that will give towards something else. And and you will never know the people of Clinton Township unless you decide for some reason to go down to Clinton Township, right? Or there's a group of people that gave towards this that may never, ever meet you and may never even meet the kids that they gave towards to change some of those environments. They may never meet those people. But we want to be people who are generous to do that. And you certainly, most likely, will probably never meet the people on the other side of the world that you give to and that you see their lives impacted. And so if you call Kensington home, what we're asking you to do is to be a part of this campaign, to be a part of giving of your life and your resources in this way. So I want to walk you through a little bit about where we are in terms of our process and where we're asking us to go. Um, And so, so far in the campaign, what's happened is we've given uh, right at about $12 million so far with all of our churches. Uh, So far, we've given about $12 million. Uh, We've pledged about $22 million with all of our churches at this point. And then on the back end, we're trying to to look at this $8 million and say we really want to be a part of that as well. Now, so many people have been attending our churches within the last year, right? In fact, just at our campus, so you know, in the last year and a half, right, about 450 new people attend our church here. They weren't attending before that, which is incredible, right? That's incredible. And so we know there's a lot of people who can find themselves in this startup goal. Now, for everybody, for most everybody on our campus, we haven't been giving to this yet. So this is kind of like we're all in this startup phase. So what I'm going to ask you to do is when you came in, you were given this little packet. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and pull this out for me real quick. If you go ahead and pull this out when you came in. If you don't have one, let us know. We'll get you one uh, for sure. Uh, But if you open this up right in the inside of this, you're going to find a couple of different areas that we could be a part of. There's the startup area, right, which is really where most of us fall uh, into this category. There's the step up or stay in, right? So at all of our Kensington churches, what we're saying is this. Our hope is around 750 households would commit to this. Now, don't miss this number. $50 a month for 12 months or one time at $600, right? We're asking around 1,300 households commit to $100 a month or about $1,200 over the next year. Or about 2,000 households commit to $250 a month for the next 12 months, which would be about $3,000 one-time gift. Now, here's what I'm asking of you today if you call Kensington home specifically, right? And that's this. I think if we're not currently in the campaign, I would love to invite you to be a part of the campaign at one of these three levels. Now, the reason that I can say that is because I think most all of us could at least enter in at level one. And I kind of wanted to prove that to you with my beautiful artistic skills. So let's talk about this very briefly, right? In in Traverse City, right, hopefully this is going to be, this is a coffee cup-ish. Kind of. There's a coffee cup. Now, the average person in Traverse City, just so you know, if you're going to buy just a regular black coffee in our town, right, roughly, if you go to any of our major coffee shops, it's about $2.70 for coffee. If you do one of those a day, and I want you to watch this, one of those a day, that's going to be, uh, let's see, let me make sure I do this math right. I'm not doing it in my head. I wrote it down. $18.90 uh, a week is what you're going to be doing. Now, a month on one cup of coffee, you're spending $75, right, and 60 cents. Per month. I did it with a calculator, I promise. Now, here's what I want you to think about just for a second, right? Just for a second. Even if you just do this for roughly five days a month, right? The one cup of coffee that you could buy puts you into this first category, right? Now, you love coffee, and please don't stop drinking coffee. The world needs you to drink coffee, right? But just think about how passively we think about that and how much you could be a part of in something that's bigger than you. That's where I would say to you, 
If you call Kensington home, this is a place, or even if you don't, you're like, you know what, I just want to be a part of that mission. That seems bigger than what I'm you know, doing. I'm going to ask you to be a part. Because I think most all of us could at least enter in this level, but some of you need to enter in this level. Some of you need to do this. And then some of you, you look at all three of these categories, and in your heart, you know that that's simply not enough, right? And you know that, right? And you know, and you, you know, you know that. You know that you could give more than that. So we're going to ask you to do that as well. But what I'm going to ask you to do today, most of you are probably sitting next to somebody in your family. I want you to do this. I want you to tear off everybody together because it will sound fun. Tear off the bottom part of this, right? We'll do that together. And on this, you're going to find a couple of things. You're going to find the three boxes. Most all of us are in that startup phase, right? Most all of us are in that startup phase. But I'm going to ask you to think about for just maybe a minute and a half to two minutes. We're going to give you space to do that. Maybe talk it over with the, your spouse or whoever you're sitting next to. What is it that God might have me to do towards this campaign? What does it look like to, to view my resources as something that God has given me, but I'm, I'm going to kind of give that back, right? Some of you, again, it's that first, but some of you, it's one of the other categories. But I want you to write that down. You're going to check it off. Give us some of your information. Again, you know, you give us however much information you, know, you can. And then, um, and then in here, just put whatever that amount is. And I want you to do that, right? Now, again, if you call Kensington home, I really feel like this is for all of us at some level. And then if some of you are here, and you're like, you know what, I want to be a part of something bigger than me. I'd love for you to do that. So the band for a second, um, they're going to play just for a second, but I'm going to ask you just for the next minute and a half to two minutes to consider what does that look like for you? What does it look like? Check one of these boxes. And then what does it look like in terms of a dollar amount for you and your family? So we're going to ask you just for the next minute and a half to do that on your own. I'll come back and kind of lead you through what we're going to do next. Uh, but if you want to sit there, think about this, talk it over briefly with your spouse, and I'll come right back in about a minute and a half and we'll talk through that together. wrap up our time, here's what I'm going to ask you to do, right? If you filled out this card and you've talked it over with your family, you've kind of decided what you're going to do. For us, there's kind of this, this moment of like committing to this uh, as a church. And uh, so what we've done is we put these baskets up front. Uh, there's a whole slew of people that came before you at 9 o'clock. Uh, you'll see a bunch of those cards in there, which is great. Um, and what I'm going to ask you to do is the band is going to lead us in a song called Build My Life. And the entire song is focused on what does it look like to have Jesus as the foundational point? 
of our life. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is as they sing this song, uh, we're going to have you, we're going to have you come up and, uh, and put your card in the basket. And don't worry, we're all going to be standing at that point together, which is okay. You won't feel as awkward about it. I'd love for you just to come up. You're just going to put your card in the basket. You can go back uh, and the band is going to lead us in this song. So I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand up. I want to pray for us. Uh, and then uh, as we sing this song, we're going to invite you forward and we're going to put these cards in the basket. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done already, and God, all that we're believing you for in the future. And uh, Father, I pray for some of us, what we wrote down was a sacrifice, and we're like, I don't know how all that's going to work, and God, I pray that you would continue to give us faith uh, to see you provide in those ways. God, I pray for all of us as we think about what this looks like, um, God, that you would help us just to continually be so focused on what it looks like to move outside of ourselves and be a part of something bigger than ourselves. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Go ahead and come down and put uh, your cards in one of these baskets.
so much to those of you who are partnering with us. Thank you for those of you who fill out a card and you're partnering with our church. We just, want to, we just can't say thank you enough, so thank you for being a part of this. And then last but not least, I want to let you know Easter is coming, so make sure you hand out some of these this week. Invite somebody, make sure to get your tickets online. And then if you have a baby and you want baby dedication, it's going to be right back there. Taylor is back there for a meeting, give you all the information you need, and I'm sure there's food, so or cookies or something. Uh, So that's where I'll be in a few minutes. So again, thanks so much for being here. See you right back here next Sunday. See you soon. Thanks so much for joining us online today. Um, And if you want to be a part of this Everyone campaign, you can actually go to kensingtonchurch.org slash everyone, find out some of the projects we're up to, and find out ways for you to be involved Thanks so much for partnering online with us, liking and sharing our content. You really are an important uh, piece of sharing our message of love and hope around the world. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. See you soon.